in a world where podcasts have become mundane, one soul brother with two left feet is doing his best to give you interviews straight, no chaser. Welcome to Reviews and Dud, where you can find interviews with some of your favorite entertainers. What's up, world? Once again, it's your man, Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn, back with another one interview. My guest today is an actor, an author, a choreographer, just an all-around renaissance man. This brother has been doing, you know, his thing for a minute, even before he blew up, you know, in 2000, playing Lim Van Adams on the adaptation of Soul Food, Mr. Darren Henson was already making noise as a choreographer. Currently, he can be seen on BBC Plus portraying the character of Orlando Duncan in Carl Weber's The Family Business. Welcome to the line, Mr. Darren Henson. Oh, fantastic. It's great to be on with you today. Oh, well, thank you, sir, for taking time out of your busy schedule um, with the acting and the choreography and just the all-around positivity of cheer projecting into the world to take time to talk to me. So let's get right into it. All right. So you grew up in the Boogie Down Bronx. So, you know, I got to ask, man, being a hip-hop head myself, when did you discover that hip-hop love and a love for breakdancing? Probably around 13 years of age. I grew up where Africa Bambata used to hold the Zulu anniversary jam. So I was right in the middle of it where the graffiti started, the DJing, the dancing, the clothes wearing, the rhyming. I was right in the heart of it. So I was, I was blessed to know what real true hip-hop is. Dope. So the MCing, the DJing, the uh, B-boy stance, the all-around 80s hip-hop. Yeah, I used to do something myself back in the day, you know, my bones. So I used to do a little bit of uh, popping and locking, but... Uh, you know, that's another story for another time. <laughs> it's, it's all love, man. You know, the, the art form is still alive and strong, and um, it's just really beautiful to, to see it. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, it's, you know, it's a worldwide, um, worldwide thing. I'm an uh, Air Force vet, and I've done time in Europe, and, you know, I had a chance to visit my mom when she was enlisted, in Korea, and just to see how they react to hip-hop overseas compared to how they react in the U.S. is just, you know, it's an experience. Yeah, they picked up the culture and uh, and carried it on, so to speak, you know? Yes, sir. So growing up in the Bronx, you know, a lot of people might not know that you were friends and grew up pretty close to Miss Jennifer Lopez, Miss J-Lo. Did you have any idea that she would become the megastar she is now when you guys were kids? Um, well, nobody knew exactly the positions that we would hold in society, but we all knew that each other held some kind of light, some kind of power, some kind of resonance that um, wasn't like the average. So, yeah, Jennifer was definitely a person that was going to become – something in society that would be seen um, and uh, 
we ultimately see, you know, what she did with her energy and her star and by by producing the person that she is, we get to enjoy, you know, the success of, of Jennifer Lopez um, through her passion, will, and desire. So it was it was actually a lot of fun seeing her develop, you know, into the person that we know her to be today. I totally agree. She's um just immensely talented, and I really had no idea how talented she was, you know, because I love Selena, love out of sight, but I had no idea how talented she really was, like musically and with the dancing and all that, until I actually went in and listened to some of her early albums and the work she was doing with Corey Rooney and Troy Oliver and, you know, even a lot of, a lot of my friends have told me, yeah, you got to see her live. Like, to really appreciate her talent and see what she can do, go see her live. Like, she really doesn't get... I think yeah, she's incredibly, incredibly talented, very talented individual. So growing up also, you also had a chance to come in contact with the late, great Scott LaRock and KRS-One. Now, Scott managed your early dance crew, the B-Boys in Action. What memories do you have yes. of Mr. Scott LaRock? I, I have many. You know, I met Scott while I was still in high school and while he was still in college. And we formed uh, a great relationship and bond that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, lasts till today. And so it's, it's just really something that set a precedent in my life and allowed me the opportunity to understand how important it is for, you know, for me to um, really push past my comfort zone and to ask more of myself than anybody could ever ask of me. That way I'll always be prepared. So, you know, he, I can absolutely say, was, you know, my first mentor. Scott was cool. definitely my first mentor, yeah. Cool, cool. And for those of you who don't know, um, Scott LaRock was part of Boogie Down Productions, one of the founding members. Rest in peace to Mr. Scott LaRock. So right out of high school, you know, you're doing your thing, and you – get a job as a, B, as a B-boy in a troupe for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that, how you, how you got that gig? Yeah, that was the live action squad. So, you know, one of the members, which was the leading member of live action squad, was also in B-boys in action, which was a part of Boogie Down Productions. Um, and we're on the back of the um, – we're on the back of the uh, – the album, it says B-I-A, that stands for B-Boys in Action. And so, you know, for us, it was just something that we had to do. It was something that we were doing. And um, we went into the circus at that time, which was uh, an opportunity for us to travel around the world, and we gladly took it. I graduated high school and went right into the circus. And so I, I got to perform and learn what performing in front of 16,000 people was like. And I got to learn and respect the values of practice and um, togetherness and family and, um, you know, just, just learning the responsibility of being at the right place when you're supposed to, at the right time you're supposed to. 
So it afforded me the opportunity to learn how to entertain very early on. Nice. All right, so you know we got to get into this uh, choreography. Now, folks, this brother right here has choreographed for Duke is on the Block, Jordan Knight is a solo artist, Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys, High Five. Not the Backstreet Boys. Not the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet? No. All right. All right. Well, and... And Spice Girl. In sync. Yeah. All right, so I was watching um Soul Food, which we're going to get to a little bit later on, and when they won the um award for Bye Bye Bye, you were on stage, and I'm like, hold up, that's the brother from uh from Soul Food. So I had no idea at the time when I was like 19 that you were a choreographer. So can you tell us a little bit how you became an established choreographer and who the first artist she was to choreograph? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I mean, I have to be able to mention this man, Lionel Martin, who gave me my first start in in choreography um, when it came to music videos. Lionel Martin, classic concept production. Lionel Martin, Lionel Martin, Lionel Martin. And, um, And so... He was the person that gave me the opportunity, and the very first person I choreographed for was Don Newkirk, and he was on Def Jam, and he had a, um, you know, he had a, a new single out, and he was uh, doing, he was uh, you know, doing the music video, and Lionel Martin asked me to uh, choreograph the video, and that happened way before NSYNC and Jennifer Lopez and all of those people. Cool. Purchase, purchase. And um, so, you know, for me, it was about, um, you know, doing the greatest job that I could do for Lionel and, and, and making sure he was proud of me. And, um, you know, it's it just, it, it keeps me speechless when I think about it um, because, man, the guy believed in me when, when nobody even knew who I was. So... Shout out to Lionel. So as we all know, your acting breakthrough was his Lynn Van Adams and the TV adaptation of Soul Food. Now, were you always planning on going into acting, and how was the audition process getting the role of Lim? Well, actually, you know, after choreographing for Joe Knight, um, and I lost to Ricky Martin Vida Loca, and, you know, I was frustrated. It was positive frustration that actually led me into acting because I worked with Michael Jackson already. I worked with Prince. I worked with the Spice Girls. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to challenge myself with something new. And um, so I went to the audition, and I didn't hear anything. And then I got a call from the Spice Girls, so I flew out to England and worked with them for a month. And when I came back, um, they called for me again and I went in and I auditioned one last time and, and then I got the role. So it was like, I guess it was destiny. Seven. So it was, it was destiny and it was, it was one of the greatest things that had ever happened for me. I had no idea to work with uh, two of the greats. Michael and Prince. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, the choreographer for Michael Jackson at the time, his name was Travis Payne. Um, he casted me as one of the dancers for um, the history video that we shot in Hungary Budapest. And, um, you know, I was one of the main dancers. And um, after working with Michael, I did the um, history video. I did the 1995 um, MTV Music Awards with Michael and the, um, the HBO special. And so I worked with Michael Jackson for about a year. And then the following year, um, I got a call to work with Prince and then started choreographing for Prince. So it was like back-to-back phenomenal, back-to-back uh, amazing, back-to-back just flying high. And so after getting to work with those two greats, I was like, I'm satisfied. You know, all the years and all the people that I had worked with, I was satisfied. And then I went on, I went on to, uh, to do uh, Soul Food. And then during my time in Soul Food, NSYNC had created Bye Bye Bye. And, um, and then Britney Spears and then Jennifer Lopez. And just everybody came while you know, I had decided to start acting, people were coming back to ask me to choreograph. So it was after working with Michael Jackson and Prince that everything started to kind of like unfold for me and just become even more expansive. But after working with Prince and Michael Jackson, I felt like I was a, a, a sharpened tool that could do anything. Because after working with those two, you, you, you got everything that you needed to be ready for the rest of the world because nobody worked as hard as those two. True. So 2000, 2001, you know, you're doing your thing on Soul Food. You're, you know, known as a choreographer. You drop a little project called Darren's Dance Grooves, which was an instructional <laughs> dance video. And if I'm not mistaken, you sold about 4 million copies of that bad boy when it was released. You know, this is back in the DVD yeah, day, folks. So 4 million is a huge accomplishment for an uh, instructional dance video. You ever considered doing a sequel to that? Yeah, I actually, it was about 4 to 5 million copies I did. And I did it because I was an actor now, right? So I had been choreographing for so many years, I didn't want to just leave the dance industry, you know? And so I created the DVD and it took off all over the world. And, um, I mean, who knew that, that it was going to be that big. And so it, it just, it became a phenomenon. And, um, and then a few years later, around 2006, I did Darren's dance groups part two. And, um, and then after that, I kind of left, you know, the choreography field to, you know, all the new people that were coming in. But I had a great time choreographing, and, you know, I felt like I had created a legacy for myself that will speak for me many, many years to come. And so I was very thankful, and I was happy, and the best word I could think of is satisfied. So I just decided to move on and continue acting. 
And when I did that in 2003, I did my very first movie with Vivica Fox, which was The Salon. Yep. Also had a Terrence Howard in that one and Monica, Callan- Monica Calhoun and Garrett Morris. Yeah, Kim Whitley. Um, it, it was, you know, it was a lot of people in that. And Dondre Whitfield, it was, it was a great, great film. It is a great film. I had a lot of fun doing it, and it's my very first film. And so I've got great memories from it. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, I've had an amazing career thus far that I'm very, very thankful, excited, and happy about. Speaking on film, you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm an Air Force vet. So I, I had him back to the States in almost three years, in 2007. So I'm coming home, you know, for my, my time's up, flying home, fly back into D.C., you know, see my mama, you know, give her a hug and all that, get home. It's a Friday in January. First thing I had to do is I go out and I see Stomp the Yard. So we all know Stomp the Yard was a huge hit. Dope choreography, good story. And it also featured, you know, the immensely talented Columbus Short and Chris Brown, who were also, you know, talented dancers in their own right. Now, were there ever any, like, impromptu dance battles between the three of you guys during breaks from shooting? Um, Yeah, I think at that time Columbus tried to come for me and got torn up. Uh, at that time, <laughs> yeah, but it didn't end up in the movie. But you know, um, real talk, um, I got I got the footage of it. So, uh, but you know, he was much younger than me, and you know how young bulls are; they try to come for the older bulls. And uh, but uh, you know, I mean, the whole experience of Stomp the Yard was really wonderful. And you know, thirteen years later, people are still talking about it. So. I'm just very, very thankful for the opportunity to have done such a great film. You know, kudos to our director, Sylvain, who, you know, put his foot in it and fought for his vision. Yeah, bro, you know, I told everybody, um, you know, when I thought I was going to interview you, I was like, you know, one of the first things I'm going to ask Mr. Henson is, I'm going to ask him, did he hold back with his dance and, and stomp the yard? Because by that time, you know, I knew how skilled you were. So watching the film, like, you know, of course, you know, it's Columbus' time to shine. It's his breakout role. But I'm like, yeah, Darren held back in Stomp the Yard because that brother can really, like, get down well, with the – I mean, the, 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 answer to that. That, the answer to that question is most of the things that I did, the footage didn't end up in the film because the film was about DJ winning, not about yeah. Grant winning. So, you know, it wasn't a, a Darren Henson and Columbus thing. It was a, a Grant and DJ thing. And it was yep. written DJ. You know, so if I was playing DJ, the same type of, you know, um, hurrah would be happening for, for me, you know, at, in that character. But it wasn't written that way. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, I love the film. It's fun to watch still today. And, um, you know, it's, it's a historical piece that I'm very, very honored to be a, a part of. Sticking with the acting, one of my favorite performances of yours that's rarely mentioned, I think, by a lot of people is T.D. from Russ Parr's The Last Stand, The Last Stand, where you portrayed a comic. 
I think you really showed dramatic range in that. And, you know, it sh- shocked me that you were able to, you know, bring that out. So what kind of research did you do in portraying a comic? Um, I didn't really have much, as, you know, I, I don't really think I was that funny in the film. Um, I did the film because I knew Russ Parr, and, um, you know, I, I thought that it was an interesting film, and it was just something else for me to do at the time and to work with, uh, you know, Russ as a director, <clears throat> excuse me, and, um, and to do something that I thought would be um, – a level of integrity and not compromise who I am um, in terms of, you know, what the role was I played. There was no touching or anything like that. It was just all suggested. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, it was okay for me to play. It was, it was, it was okay for me to do. Um, and it was a really heavy film. I mean, it was, it was deep, man. You know, it was, it was about so many different things. It was about, molestation, it was about Hollywood, it was about drugs, um, it was about people doing anything for fame, um, it was about making the wrong choices and, and, and redemption. It was a very heavy film. Yeah, definitely. And um, your performance and one of the things where I really started to take Kevin Hart series was his portrayal in, in The Last Stand, the guy that was a ventriloquist. Now, he had that breakdown on stage. So if you guys have never seen Russ Parr's The Last Stand, check it out to see Mr. Henson show some amazing dramatic range and just really get what goes on behind the scenes in the world of comedy. Yeah, Kevin so was really good in that. Following Stomp the Yard, it's 2008. You get a chance to play the legendary, the iconic Mr. Jim Brown in The Express. Now, even though you didn't have a huge part in the Express, you know, football historians know that Jim Brown played a big part in Ernie's story. So did you get a chance to meet Mr. Brown prior to accepting the role or during the making of the film? Absolutely. I worked with Jim Brown, who also was one of my mentors. He was on the television series Soul Food for quite a few episodes. Um, and, you know, I had interactions with him as my character, Lem, and then he became, you know, one of my mentors in real life. And so, you know, that was very, very powerful, and he was actually very intricate in me playing him because he told the director he thought I was the best choice for the role. And so I'm, I'm thankful and grateful to Jim Brown um, himself um, for, for doing that for me because a lot of people auditioned for that role, but Jim thought I would be the best person for it. Yeah, you know, I totally forgot Jim Brown was on Soul He was a cop that was investigating um, Lem when Lem was doing the stuff with uh, Barron. Yeah, exactly. I forgot Jim was on Soul Food. Wow, I'm getting up there in age. All right, so currently... Aren't we up. all? <laughs> Currently, you're portraying Orlando Duncan on The Family Business, which is available, unedited, binge-worthy on BC Plus Season 2. Now, I'm a huge Carl Weber fan. I mean, I read Carl's books like before when he comes out that, with before, 48 I'm sorry, hours. But before, before we go into that, I'd like to continue with The Express for a second, which for me, yes, 
was one of the greatest films that I had ever done. And to play Jim Brown was no easy task for me. I had to gain 30 pounds of muscle to play Jim Brown. Um, so, you know, that, that was a really difficult role for me to play and to take on. And then to, you know, successfully, you know, be a part of that um, was a big, huge deal for me because, um, wow, it was just, again, it was, those are really big shoes to fill, you know? And, um, yes, and, I, and I was thankful that, that Jim allowed me to do that, you know, in his name because he, he was very pivotal in getting Ernie Davis to actually go to Syracuse. So, yep. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a small role. It was actually a huge role um, because he, he, was, he was critical in, in getting Ernie there. So with the I, Jim Brown I thing, I just really wanted to mention that. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, Express was, was really um, well done. Um, you know, Rod Brown, a very young pre-fame Chadwick Bozeman, uh, Nelson Ellis, rest in peace. You know Dennis Quaid, Charles Charles. That I might need to pull that out. I haven't seen the Express. I think since it came out, I need to pull it out of the archives and revisit that. So since you played Jim Brown and you were his choice to play him, have you guys ever flirted with possibly doing Jim Brown's life story? Because outside of the football and the acting and the activism, I mean Jim has an amazing story. So have there been talks of Doing his entire story with you portraying the role. Well, no, I'm. I'm again. I'm a person. You know, I I was satisfied with the position that I had in the Express, and if you know, I'm I'm. I mean, I. I I got his. Okay, to play him, and I don't think it gets any better than that. When Jim Brown says, "I think he's the best guy for the job." I think you just leave it at that and be satisfied, you know. So I'm uh, I'm I'm very very satisfied. I'm very satisfied with how the uh, film turned out. I think it's it's just all really beautiful, and I think it's perfection in terms of uh, what ended up on screen. In my opinion, no doubt. So that's another film for folks. Shut up if you haven't seen it. Check out the Express. So currently you're portraying Orlando Duncan on The Family Business by one of my favorite authors, Mr. Carl Weber. And prior to getting the role, had you read any of Carl Weber's books to prepare you for playing Orlando? I didn't. Um, I, I have to honestly say I didn't even know who Carl was, um, unfortunately, but that's true. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. Um, but I, I am so thankful I do now <laughs> because working on the show is, is one of the greatest blessings of my life. Yeah, I, I love the family business. You know, I enjoyed season one, but I was happy to get season two on um, BET Plus. I felt like you guys would go, you know, push a little bit further. And I think I binged, you know, the first six episodes, first six episodes, of season two in about a day, day and a half, because it was just so uh -huh. addictive with the um, 
writing and just the way that you guys were like wanting to see the next one. And you guys have an amazing cast from yourself to Mr. Ernie Hudson, Mr. Valerie Pittsburgh, just Miguel Nunez. Amazing, amazing cast. So if you guys haven't seen the Family Business Channel on BT Plus, check that out. It's, uh, you know, that, that cast that cast is amazing. That cast is is just really a powerful cast to work with. And you know, it's my second time working with Tammy. So it was pretty awesome. Speaking on Carl Weber, you also have a lead role as in, our, in the film adaptation of his novel, The Choir Director. Do you have any idea when that's going to hit um, the home market for your fans to check that out? I think The Choir Director may be out next year, I think. I'm not too sure about that, but that's another film that's amazing that Carl wrote, and I'm really excited about The Quiet Director coming out, to be very honest, um, because, you know, I, I know what was filmed, and I think it's really important for people to see that because of what's going on in the churches. So, oh, yeah, um, I, yeah I'm, I'm eager to, to see in The Quiet Director just as much as you. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I think I said to that book in about – maybe two and a half days, and then my wife and I were, we were going somewhere, a cross-country trip, and I bought the audio book, and she was like, I didn't know he was as good. I'm like, yeah, man, choir director was was deep. So look for that when it comes out next year, hopefully, folks. So my man, you're also an author yourself. In 2011, you wrote a book entitled Intimate Thoughts. Can you tell us about that and the inspiration behind you authoring a book? Yes, Intimate Thoughts and the Spirit of Change was about um, growth. I was going through a lot of things during my career, you know, being on Soul Food, you know, uh, having Darren's Dance Grooves out with the success of that, um, and, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the hardships that come with great responsibility, to whom much is given, much is required. And so there was a lot of um, levels of difficulty that I was presented with. And um, I wanted to document them. And so that book is more of a diary of my life. Um, and, and that's what it, it came out to be. And then the more I heard people going through things in their lives, I was like, I want to help people. And so I wind up putting the book out to let people know that they weren't alone. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Everybody goes through something. Totally agree. So, you know, before we close out, man, I got to hit you with some hard questions that require that, uh, that thinking cap. So, uh, you know, I can't let you get off too easily with um, the standard questions. I got to throw some curveballs at you. So let's get right into those. All right, so the year is 1989, and you have the chance to do choreography on Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cool World Tour or choreograph an off-way Broadway production about Bill Bojangles Robinson. Which play would you pick and why? Uh, this is going to be easy for me to answer. Um, I never look backwards. And the reason I never look backwards is because I love my life, 
I love what has unfolded in my life. I love my career, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. And so I don't have any form of um, worry, doubt, or fear about if I made the right choices or not. And so I'm, I'm just really thankful and happy. Um, so I never deal from a space of woulda, shoulda, coulda. It didn't happen. It didn't unfold that way. And uh, I worked with everybody I really wanted to work with. So, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I would answer it. It's all, it's all love, Sam. It's all love. Between breaking, crush grooves, and Beach Street, which one do you feel had the best choreography? <laughs> um, for me as a popper, I would say breaking. For me, with, uh, you know, Shabadoo, Boogaloo Shrimp, um, I would say breaking. But a breaker, you know, would probably say Beach Street because they're two different art forms. So for me... Um, I enjoyed all the movies, but I, I have a, a definite love for the movie Breaking because of, of what it represented for poppers. And we can't, we can't forget about the sequel, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. One of, one of my favorite films as well. Um, you know, in that movie, they redid uh, Royal Wedding by Fred Astaire. And... Um, and then in sync we did it by bye 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 where we walk on the ceiling so it, it it's it's you know a similar vein and um it's just a, a movie that uh, i cherish you know till this day uh, you told me something i didn't know and i had, i've always thought that ceiling thing was all uh original and breaking too no, uh, that came from a movie of Fred Astaire called Royal Wedding. You can look it up on YouTube, and you'll see that. Cool, cool. Where do you think the character of Lim Van Adams might be in the year 2020? Last we saw Lim, they bought the house, he had the grocery store, and they were going to have another baby. So where do you think Lim would be in 2020? I think Lem uh, owns a chain of stores called Lem's. Uh, I think his children are now, you know, um, in college. And uh, he's still happy, loving, and living with his love birth. But I think that they are very, very well off now. Yeah, love so food the series. Thank you. What advice can you offer to aspiring choreographers in the new um, age of social media? Diversification. You know, one of the things that I knew was important was I had to do more than one thing. You know, people ask you, what's your purpose in life? Who says we only have one? So just recently I started a clothing company called God's Billboard T-Shirts. And so, you know, people go, wait a minute, act, you produce, I also am on a television series called Double Cross on the UMC network, which I act in playing Detective Ryan, uh, and I also produce that show, Double Cross, on the UMC network. So diversification is really important. You know, so I utilize my talents and my gifts um, to create. And so I would tell people, 
think about what it is that you love and think about a space that needs to be filled. Like I think the space of inspiration and of validation, self-validation, um, and, and knowing that you're more than enough. It need, people need to hear that on a consistent basis. And so I created the T-shirt line, God's Billboard T-shirts, because that way we become billboards for God. We become billboards for empowerment. We become billboards for light. We become billboards for positivity. So with God's Billboard T-shirts, that does that. So diversification is important. You know, people aren't on tour right now. So what are dancers doing if they have nowhere to dance? And so diversification is key and important right now. And is there, is there an official website for your brand where fans can go out and support? Absolutely. God's Billboard T-shirts.com. G-O-D-S Billboard T-shirts.com. God's Billboard T-shirts.com. All right, folks, so we've had Mr. Darren DeWitt Henson on the line today, all-around Renaissance man, T-shirt designer, choreographer, author, actor, producer, just his brother's into everything. I highly, highly encourage you guys to check out Mr. Henson on The Family Business. Season 1 and Season 2 are available on BET+. Check out Mr. Henson as Detective Ryan and Double Cross on the UMC channel, which he's also producing. And just go back and check out your brother's work. I mean, whether it's on BET+, UMC, Netflix, whatever you, whatever you want to, you know, watch streaming on. This brother has a very impressive filmography, huge fan, and I was happy to chop it up with him. Is there anything you'd like to add, brother? And where can fans find you on social media? I just want to say thank you to you, I'm honored to be on your show, um, and uh, I'd love this interview. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at I am Darren D. Henson, and that's with the blue check, of course. Um, and also my God's Billboard T-shirts on Instagram. It's God.Billboard T-shirts on Instagram, and the website is God'sBillboardT-shirts.com. And pick up your shirt and let your shirt do the talking. Power words for powerful people in a powerful time. All right. Well, folks, as we always do, I'm going to close out my interview with a quote. And in homage of Mr. Henson's former friend, the late, great Scott The Rock, let's get something from Boogie Down Productions from Mr. Karras One, and that is love yourself and your expression. You can't go wrong. Until the next time, Done out. Tune in next week for another episode of Reviews and Done with your suave host, Derek Dunn.